This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. Hello, and welcome to Line Dance Podcast with... Megan Barcelia. And Christopher Gonzalez. This is, in our notes section of the podcast, non-interview, of course, episode number 150. 50, 50. 50, 50. <laughs> Today, we will be talking about how to fit in and truly become part of anything, as advised by Jeff Hayden on Inc.com. The subtitle on this is, It's easy and surprisingly rewarding as long as you take the right approach. We find this to be relevant to line dance. Also, if if people aren't aware, we have so many episodes and topics, as we discovered from scrolling back just this evening, so many episodes. 149? I guess so. Yeah, must be in that ballpark of 149 previous episodes (laughs) in which we talk about things like, what were some of the ones that you, you saw of note? Oh, well, obviously the ones that come to mind immediately have to do with like, um, injuries and prevention and stuff like that but some of it also has to do with like how to thank your dance teacher and um fear of missing out how to talk to celebrities i thought was yeah how to talk to celebrities in line dance Uh um stuff like uh uh, post-event depression yes um i'm trying to think of what else there's so many topics yep yep about 149 yes (laughs) i think that's that's just about right and this, this I think, will be very helpful for folks who are going to a large event such as Vegas Dance Explosion, which is coming up this week, uh, or your local country bar, where if you're like me, you start out not country whatsoever. I grew up in the suburbs, and when I first went line dancing, I wore a sweater vest and slacks and dress shoes. I didn't know what I was doing. So if I had had an article on how to fit in and truly become part of anything... I think maybe I would have gotten to the flow of things more quickly. As it was, I ended up buying all the accoutrements, like the hat and the buckle and the boots. And then I went to events and took off the hat and the buckle and the boots. But, you know. Not true. Not true. You still have a buckle. Oh, I do. I do. (laughs) Thank you for reminding me. We have matching buckles. Thank you very much. We do. Yeah, so, you know, fitting in is all relative, and hopefully the things that we discussed today will help you at some point in your line dance journey, wherever you may be at the time that you are hearing our voices. Voices, voices. We all want to stand out in some way, but we also want to fit in, to feel we belong, that we're part of a community, or that we're part of something larger than ourselves. But if you're like me, fitting in is not so easy. For one thing, I'm shy. Unless I'm on stage, I'm fairly introverted. And I'm hardly brimming with natural self-confidence, unless I'm in the right settings. As it is with many people, my self-confidence is largely situational. And that's too bad. Feeling we fit in helps make us more relaxed, more motivated, more self-assured. All of which not only helps us make helps us feel better about ourselves, but can also help us perform better and be more willing to help others. Fitting in equals win, win, win. That's very clever. 
Some time ago, I realized being cycling scrawny, six feet tall, 150 pounds, is great for road cycling, but is far from the healthiest of looks. So I joined a gym, started lifting weights, felt like a fish totally out of water. Any upper body strength I'd had was long gone. No one was lifting less than me. Hated it. Insecurities abounded. Felt like whoever looked at me was judging me. Not that many people were looking. Most, especially the big boys, brushed past me as if I wasn't there. But I stuck with it. Got a little stronger. Got a little bigger. Slowly became able to do more sets, more reps, and more weight. Got a little stronger. Got a little bigger. That's how it works. One day, an archetype of a gym rat, shaved head, cut off shirt, veins in his arms like ropes, was doing side-to-side pull-ups, hands close together, looking along the bar rather than facing it, pulling up and alternating bringing his head above the bar on the right side and then the left. By then, I was looking for different exercises to do. I'm not sure what possessed me, but when he finished his set, I said, I've never seen pull-ups done that way. Where are you feeling them? As soon as the words were out of my mouth, I thought, oh, great, he's about to blow me off. Instead, he smiled. Yeah, they're really hard, he said. I definitely feel them in my lats, but I like how it brings my core into it. You should try them. I said thanks and started to walk away. Hey, he said, I've noticed you often change the width of your grip when you do dips. Why is that? In that moment, I thought several things. I was surprised he even noticed how I did dips. I was shocked he was asking me for advice. And three, in an environment where I had always felt a little uncomfortable and a lot insecure, I was evidently starting to fit in. And, cheesy as it might sound, that felt really good. 22 pounds and no increase in body fat percentage later, I no longer feel like I don't fit in. I'm far from the biggest or strongest, but that was never my goal. But it's really nice to exchange hellos, to exchange nods, to ask questions or give a little advice. I've become a member of a small community of people with a shared interest and a shared purpose. Fitting in feels good, even somewhere relatively meaningless and insignificant like a small town gym. So how can you fit in when you don't feel you belong, whether in a group, an organization, or even at a job? It just takes the right approach. Number one, start quiet and just do the work. We've all been in situations where that person shows up for the first time and tries immediately to force his or, way in, his or her way into a group. Don't be that person. Say you join an industry organization. Show up for every meeting. Contribute in small ways, but otherwise, lay low. Show you realize you're new. Show you don't expect to be taken seriously until you prove you're serious and you're in it for the long haul. Thoughts, Megan? Well, I know that for me personally, um, just I'm just going to say like in a group of new people, I tend to try and be a little bit more on the quiet side at first and just kind of partake in my surroundings. So I kind of like listen to what people have to say, engage their responses and how invested they are in said topics. And if I have something to contribute, I try not to be like the loudest person in the room 
with the most to say about a topic. I just kind of be like, oh, yeah, no, I, I remember one time I did this, you know, something similar to that or, oh, that sounds like something I've done once and just kind of like little pieces into the conversation, not necessarily just be like, oh, here's my life story and this is why it's so important and blah, 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 and this is why we should be friends and, blah, you know, because that can definitely be overwhelming. But something they said about showing that, show you realize that you're new and it brought me to a conversation we actually had last night and how this particular individual was so new at what he was doing and he went he was asking questions and he was asking for information as much information as possible and then he was told to go and talk to somebody else and he immediately walked up and was like made the joke at his own expense about being so new to this and he has a question and he was told that you know this individual was the person to ask kind of kind of situation i know that when i um first went to vegas I had so many questions. I asked so many questions and so many people were just willing to answer them. And I always made sure to be like, well, this is my first event, so I don't know what to expect. Or this is my first time being here. So, you know, where's this or like stuff like that. And I tried not to bother them with like, you know, thousands and thousands of questions, but just enough so that like they were willing to give me some information. I know that having that approach is definitely um, easier than coming across as if you know everything already or you don't need to be told anything. So it's just something to consider about the whole idea about like being quiet and just doing the work is like, you know, take in your surroundings before you comment on them and, you know, figure out and feel out the people you're around to know um, what kind of uh, responses are not necessarily um, acceptable, but not off-putting. That would be my biggest recommendation on that. Hmm. Yeah, there's something that comes to mind, which is the saying, it's better to say nothing and be thought of full than to speak and remove all doubt. Yes. Yeah. And then also there's the saying, um, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And that sort of encourages people or is meant to encourage people to be around people that they can learn from and not just be in a room where you know everything. So you're just going to be teaching the whole time. Like you should always be in a situation where you're willing to learn. You'll, you'll find that at events, even instructors who have you know classes of well over 100 or however many hundreds of people will still go to other people's classes where they are among the hundred or hundreds of people and they are learning alongside everyone else. They're willing to be a learner and not be the expert. And I think that's a good practice to have. And I think there's another saying that the, uh, the previous one led me also to, which was like the reason we have two ears and one mouth is because we should listen twice as much as we speak. Yeah. Easy one to remember there. So yeah, all of that's just uh, sort of in support of the idea that you probably don't know as much as you think you do when you're in a new situation. So absorb first and you know question maybe next and then evaluate 
last and then repeat and and refine as necessary. Yeah, I think something also to kind of play into two things you've mentioned. One was the um, if you think you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Um, you also mentioned how like certain instructors will go and be students again. That's the biggest thing is to remember that even if you think you know more, um, you might not actually, and you might be able to be have a situation which you gain different kinds of knowledge that you weren't initially open to in the first place. So by staying quiet and listening and absorbing and that first, you might catch um, a different kind of experience. This reminds me of another saying, uh, which is, do you want to be happy or do you want to be right? And Happy. <laughs> exactly. There have been times in the past um, when I've been in a class and the instructor might say that, you know, okay, next we're going to do da-da-da-da-da. And your first instinct may be like, no, no, I know this dance. Awesome. I get to help and yell out in the middle of their lesson. It's actually blah. But then after going over it for like, five seconds just give them the five seconds they're like oh wait a second no it's not this uh never mind scratch what i said just go back and so we're actually going to touch that foot we're not going to step on that foot we're just going to touch there's no weight on it the instructors will figure this out on their own typically speaking like they won't get very far before they realize like oh wait that's not the right step and you save yourself the experience of looking like a jerk and a know-it-all who just interrupted their lesson in front of everyone and shamed them um, unnecessarily, as it turns out. Um, and you also save them the embarrassment of like feeling unprepared and throwing them off their groove. And it's like, yes, you had that moment where you felt like you were right. But also, you know, another thing that's happened to me, because this is something that I... You think it, and then you just don't do it. Oh, oh, it gets even better when you think you have the correction, and you realize you're wrong, and it's a good thing you didn't say anything, because then you would have looked even worse. Now you're not just a jerk. You're also wrong. <laughs> so doubly don't do that, because <laughs> it just it, it's not as helpful as we like to think we're being when we're in that stage when we, we, we're tempted to do that. I have been tempted and I'm glad that I didn't so yeah stay quiet and just do the work number one number two volunteer for the worst jobs quote that person tries to leapfrog his or her way to the plum tasks sometimes the person even manages to pull it off but the cost in terms of belonging is high Instead, use the time you're laying low to figure out where you can make the biggest difference to the people in the group. Hint, just find ways to make their lives easier. Volunteer for the grunt work. Volunteer for the glory-free tasks. Volunteer to pay your dues. Yes, 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 yes. So much yes. Um, I... I'm the type of person just in general that wants to be helpful and f I find my own value 
in being helpful. I feel like I create a place for myself by offering to stay and help set or show up early to set up or um, as simple as, you know, you do it too. You actually do it more than me, to be honest. Um, when you walk by people as you're on your way to the water, you ask, like, you know, if you can get them anything or, you know, it's like you just any little thing that you possibly can think of. You know, to stay and help. I've done, it's a little bit trickier at bigger events, but at like smaller events, we've definitely stayed around and cleaned up all the garbage and thrown it away and reset the tables for the next day and helped, you know, take down everything, asked if anything needed to be put away or, you know, does the trash need to be taken out or anything on those kind of like smaller events. But I try to be as helpful as possible in those situations. And a lot of it, um, I know a lot of people in the sense of like event slash hosts um, appreciate is when you notice something and ask, can you do something about it as opposed to what can I do? Um for instance, you know, like, oh, did you want me to, you know, push all the chairs in? Or um, did you need anybody to sweep the floor? Or, you know, like something to those um, kind of observations. Like if there's, a, if there's an empty room where people are going to be dancing and a stack of decorations, maybe you could decorate that room? Yeah, that just... Being observant and saying, hey, do you need me? I mean, this is a, a, a Halloween party I was at. I was like, did you need me to turn turn on all the candles? Because they were, you know, LEDs. And she said, yes, yes, please. You know, and then afterwards she's like, thank you for seeing something that needed to be done and asking if you can help do it as opposed to how can I help you? Um, it takes a little more pressure off of them when they don't have to explain something that has to be done or get you something to do um, when they can just be like, yeah, 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 do that. Thank you. And then they don't have to think about it. So uh, certainly try and be aware of how you can be helpful and that can make a difference. And just know that sometimes, you know, there isn't anything that you can do and that's okay too. Just simply offering does make a difference. One easy way to come up with ideas for how you can help is imagine that this is your event. If you were throwing this event, what would you hope people would experience? Is it like cleanliness in the room? Is it a nice smell? Is it uh, easy to access water and snacks? Uh, is it intuitive directions to different places that people need to go, like other ballrooms? Is it uh, schedules so that they know what's coming up? And if you take the time, maybe at home, just for fun, and come up with your idea of what the absolute perfect event would be or like the the best country bar. Like if you have a country bar in your hometown and you are lucky enough to you know, have regular access to it and you have ideas for how the experience there can be improved, just list them, just bullet point them, you know, in your spare time and you know maybe to some who don't know what you're doing, it might seem like nitpicking or finding flaw, but when you present possible improvements privately, to the people who are responsible for managing these things and you have actual solutions. It's like they say, you know, the, the employee who 
uh, you know, comes to the boss with problems and no solution, just looks like a complainer. But if they come with the solutions to these problems, then they're a hero. And, um, you know, if you do that, then you get to experience the event the way that you would want to, because after all, this is your ideal event. And the event manager, as far as anyone knows, because you're, of course, doing the glory-free tasks, the event manager looks like they have got everything figured out. They put on this ideal event that everyone loves, and you were able to be part of that. So everyone wins, really. And, oh, I think there was an additional thing that I remember thinking for this one. Volunteering for Go ahead. Well, while you rack your brain for that, um, I briefly mentioned the idea of like when you're walking to get water or something like that um, and talking to people around you or on the way there, if you can get them anything. It's the same idea as, um, you know, if you're sitting at a table with a group of people that you've kind of just started to get to know over the weekend, you know, I'm getting up. Did anybody need anything? Water, you know, me to stop and grab them something, you know, anything at all that, that just kind of shows that you're, you know, looking to help. And the same thing with like helping them clean up and pack up and, you know, you see their arms full of stuff, you know, you can offer to carry anything for them as they're, you know, headed towards the elevator or something. Um, and that just, so it doesn't necessarily have to be like the event directors that you're volunteering for. It can certainly be just your everyday average person too. There was one event where we were actually uh, instructor stewards. Like we were to go around and make sure the instructors had what they wanted. And one of the things that was suggested was always be sure that they have water when they do their teaches. And you think, wow, that's a really good idea. You know, they're talking for an hour. Of course, you know, water on hand would be really helpful to them. So again, if you're trying to come up with ideas for how you can be helpful in this environment where, according to the article, you're trying to belong or fit in, just have common empathy and think, if I were in their position doing what they're doing, what would I need so that I would feel better? And you know, for the dancers, maybe it's something to do with their feet. You could tell them like, if they're adjusting in an uncomfortable chair, you'd be like, hey, you know what? In the lounge or in the lobby, I saw some really cushy chairs. You really ought to check those out because that's what they need, something to get off their feet. Uh, you know, in, the, in, in the instructor's case, maybe it's water. Maybe they haven't eaten in a while because they've had back-to-back lessons. You say, hey, do you need like a snack or anything? Just like a little boost, something from the vending machine because you know, yeah, I'll be passing by it. You know, why, why not uh, you know, treat yourself to something? Like whoever it is, they probably have something going on in their life right then that um, that could be remedied with a fairly simple fix. And the thing that came to mind uh, that just like jumped back into my memory was it, it's it, originally for me it came from um, seeing litter litter on the street. So when you're walking by, like I don't, I, from back in the what 2008 when I had Birkenstocks and clothes that didn't fit, and I was living in a tent in my backyard because I actually lived in a house, like I had a master bedroom in a house, but it was just you know it was that it was that time in my life when I thought like I'm gonna have zero impact on the environment and I'm gonna sleep in a tent and I'm gonna grow things in my backyard, like I, I had like all kinds of herbs and and scent things and fruit. It was a different time anyway. This was also when I was recycling everything and picking up a whole bunch of litter off the street. And the logic behind it was kind of Spider-Man-esque, the way he phrases it in Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, 
I mean, everyone's heard the with great power comes great responsibility. But the way they phrased it in Spider-Man Homecoming was that if if something bad happens and you could have stopped it, then you are the reason the bad thing happened. So when I see litter, like there's a difference between like you see the litter and you walk by it and people think, oh, that's probably okay, right? You just, I mean, you can't pick up everything. But what if you see the litter, you pick it up and you set it back down where it is and you keep walking. Now you're the bad guy because you are the litterer. You were the last person to touch it. You made the choice that it's better for that to be on the floor than for it to be clean. So really walking by is kind of the same thing as picking it up and putting it back down. You you saw it and you knew that there was something you could do about it and you made the choice to leave it where it is. So when you are in, say, an environment like an event or a bar and somebody looks sad or, you know, somebody has like a, like a, a thing with their neck or, you know, I don't know, they, they, there's something going on. Maybe there's just a bunch of beer glasses left on some table and you're like, you know, I'm on my way to the bar. I could put those back in the bar, have the bartender take them. There's always something you can do. If you're aware of it and you let it happen anyway, then maybe something inside will motivate you to say, you know what? I, I can make this better. And that can be the thing that you choose to do to in your group where you are trying to belong Uh, That can be the thing you do just in your path, in your small way to make it better. Like I said, this does not mean you have to try to pick up every piece of litter on on the sidewalk, but along your path in the tiny little space of of the world that you can control, you have the the choice-making ability to make that part better. I feel like that, I mean, we we talk about Jill a lot and sometimes it seems like everywhere she goes, sunshine and rainbows follow because that's the feeling you get from being around her. And I think that's the trail she leaves in the world. Like she doesn't do everything. She doesn't try to do everything, but what she can do, she does. Even if there's just like, we saw her at a country bar up here in Sacramento and she was sitting next to this fellow who'd been quiet for a lot of the evening. And while everyone else was out on the dance floor and, you know, she had been doing dances all night and, you know, I think we were mostly scattered around the room. I saw her turn around. She said, so what's your story? And she got this guy talking. It was amazing. I loved it. It was such a simple thing. Anyone can do that. And she actually did it. That's the difference. So for this, this thing, you know, volunteer for the worst jobs, any little thing that you are able to do with no credit, no glory, no big story that you can tell afterwards about how amazing the thing was like that, that can be your contribution and you'll know, maybe no one else will know, but you'll know that it's a little bit better. That bar, that event, it's a little bit better because you showed up and that will make you feel better about showing up more often. And imagine, gosh, and not that you control what anybody else does, but what if everyone else did something like that how amazing would that event or bar be all right number three ask for help that only requires words that person goes to a networking event and moments after meeting you wants an introduction to someone you know or for you to wrangle them an appointment with one of your customers or wants you to well you know how it goes We all need help. We all need assistance. But once you've paid some dues, be smart 
and start small. Don't ask for time or effort. Just ask a question. One, you'll get the information you need. Two, you'll implicitly show you respect the person you asked. Aren't you always flattered when someone asks you for advice? And best of all, that little exchange will help you start to make real connections. Never go for the networking or assistance jugular. You'll never fit in that way. Wait until you fit in. Then people will offer to help you. Interesting. I never thought of this in that way before. I think it's always just been something because of my inquisitive nature that I tend to do without thinking. Because I certainly ask more for knowledge than anything else. Like I want as much possible advice and input from other people because then I feel like I can make the best well-rounded decision or choice or opinion uh, that suits me because I feel like I have so much knowledge and um, outlook at that point because I'm exposed to different opinions and like the ways to look at things and approach things and it helps me go okay this is how I want this handled um I know I do it with you a lot too like for instance I'll I'll be going through something and I'll turn to be like okay I need your advice on something because I know some of it's internal and personal and it's me reacting to something based off of previous experiences but I don't know if it's something that like I need to like bring up and make like something known about it or if it's something like internal and you'll be like well this and that and this and that and you know like give me your input and then I'll be able to look back and go like okay okay I can see what he's saying there I can understand that and then I can like kind of check in with myself to know like where I stand when I hear you know this response it's like okay no no that's not a good thing versus oh yeah no I'm totally overreacting on that like there's no reason for it to be like that so that can just be put away and that's my that's my demon to battle um and a lot of times it's more or less you give me like bullet points for me to check in with myself on um and so that's really really helpful as opposed to me going solve my problem you know um, when it comes to line dance, like asking people like what the dance names are and where they get their inspiration from, how long they've been dancing, it's all just input. It's all information and it makes you be able to have a better understanding of so much more because I know for me, I was in a rush when I first started dancing I wanted to know all the dances right now. And so I definitely challenged myself and I learned a lot of dances very quickly. And then like slowly but surely after having many conversations with many different people of all levels, um, I learned a lot about the idea that like a lot of people older than me say that they wish that they found line dancing when they were my age. And other people have said stuff like, you know, 
we have to remember they've been dancing since they were six or and they start you know being like yeah you know they have 30 years of dancing under their belt or they've been doing this for six months and you know just different levels of things where it's like so what I'm basically doing is holding myself to the standard of people who've been doing this for 20 years longer than me gotcha I need to give myself the time to get there and the experiences that I get to go through on my journey that's not their journey you know and and to understand that and I think by asking questions for those around you um, and gaining knowledge is the easiest way to not only make someone feel valued, but also get a lot of value out of the conversation. I think one thing that's helpful when you're asking people, especially if they're people with not a lot of time, uh, one thing that's uh, helpful for asking people, you know, for help with the words only thing in mind is to limit the amount of thinking they have to do. So if you are able to change the phrasing of what you're asking about to result in one answer, that's ideal, yes or no. Um, Maybe a limited answer, like if you're asking them what dance you should learn next, like which one you should prioritize or in what order that you should prioritize them, maybe give them five and then they'll put them in whatever order. Um, If you are asking of this list of 20 dances, uh, which ones should I learn? That's a little harder. It's going to take them a little more time, but they can do it and they can cross stuff off. And then the last option is the one that we've stumped many people on, which is what dance should I learn? What dances are the best in general? I'm not going to give you criteria on what best means, but uh, what are the best ones? To, like, you, can, you can confuse people when, uh, and, and they might not know how to answer you if you give them too many options. And if you just say, hey, should I learn this dance? Yes or no? Then they can say, well, do you like the music? Yes. Oh, well, then um, are you comfortable with tags and restarts? Yes. Okay, well, then my answer to you is yes. <laughs> Look how easy that was. You know, simple yes or no questions back and forth, and you have your answer. So do what you can um, to decrease the complexity of your question. The more prepared you can be, the easier this will be. Like if you tell, or if you ask somebody, what does it take to be a good dancer? They could go in so many directions with that. Uh, If you ask them, what are the top three things it takes to be a good dancer? Or what are, what are the things that you think, what are the top three things you think make uh, the goodness of a dancer? Um, That might help a little narrowing it down. If you are even more prepared than that, and you are able to find a list of things that somebody else thinks make a good dancer, and you ask somebody, do you think this particular trait is important in becoming a better dancer? They can say yes or no. Very easy. You don't want to bombard with them, bombard, that, bombard them with a list of 20 yes or no questions to answer. So again, filter it down to three. Uh, generally speaking, find ways to elevate or pitch a size the things that you want to ask about. If you can fit your pitch or your question into the space of an elevator ride, you're probably fine because people can typically spare that much time to humor you if they are in a big rush and they have the weight of the world on their shoulders and they have a show rehearsal they need to get to. They're probably still willing 
to answer your question if it's going to be easy enough for them to answer. And you won't stress them out and you will fit in with the group you're trying to belong to like the topic of this article recommends. Number four. Ask to help in ways that require more than words. That person immediately walks over and tells you what you're doing wrong. Or what you could be doing better. Or could be doing differently. Or most likely what you should be doing his or her way. That kind of help is more about that person than about you much less about what you might actually need. Pay attention, so you'll notice when others are struggling. Then, come up with specific ways to help. That way, you can push past the, no, I'm okay, automatic responses. Very few people offer help before they have been asked, even though most of the time, that is when a little help will make the greatest impact. Just make sure you offer to roll up your sleeves and really help. That's the only way to make a real difference in another person's life. So, to make you smile and blush at the same time. The first thing I thought of was a situation in which we were about to be taking a class or we had gotten at least one portion of the class into it because the music was playing in at uh, showdown this year and there was a particular dancer who had asked for the music to be turned down because it was extremely loud unfortunately she was not necessarily met with the kindest of responses And so she began to leave the room. And you immediately ran after her and offered earplugs to her because you always bring earplugs to an event. And she graciously took you up on the offer and she was able to stay and enjoy the rest of the class. Um, It was certainly the first time I've ever been exposed to said situation in the last two and a half, almost three years worth of dancing. But, um, it did happen. And I remember, I remember being proud to be able to be associated with you because you were so quick to think of a solution for her And I also remember kicking myself because I didn't think of it because I had earplugs in my bag just as much. So it's certainly one of those things when you see a situation and you have the means to fix it, feel free to offer it. And that I know if it made an imprint on me the way it did, I'm sure she's just through the roof grateful that you were courteous enough for her to be able to not only offer that, but then, you know, like she's able to enjoy the rest of the lesson. So I think it's, it's one of those things where if you're a little bit more observant on the problems or situations that occur and you can offer the solution quickly, it helps. But even just showing that you're paying attention makes a difference. 
Well, the thing I thought of was how, and we've mentioned this in very recent episodes, in fact, you wall lead. You just go straight to it. Like, if you are dancing something that you know well, then even if you don't know it well and you learned it within two walls, you go to the sides or back of the room, if it's somebody else's lesson, and you lead it. And people have told you that they appreciated that because, like, they didn't have to ask. Here they're saying, you know, that's when people are struggling and, and are not asking for help. Uh, that's that's the time you need to offer something because they're too shy and too scared to know that they're allowed to ask for help. You just go in and give it to them, and afterwards they thank you profusely. So that's one of three things that I was thinking <laughs> of. Um, the next one, so that's you as a wall leader. That's not even you teaching lessons. Then... Uh, while you've been teaching this past you know year plus, you've taken one of the things that we've we've seen another instructor do. Uh, you know, in asking, does anyone need one more time? Everyone can say no, we're fine, and one person can say, well, just one more time. And you tell them, perfect. You know, I always if one person needs one more time, we'll do it again. And the third thing was that uh, another instructor does look circles. And I've seen you since then offer, does does anyone need like a look circle just so you'll, you can all see what I'm talking about? Because I'm up here on the stage. It might be hard for the folks in back. And people are like, yes. Like they, didn't, they don't know what a look circle is. They've never heard of a look circle. You are their instructor. They don't know these other instructors who do look circles. You invented it as far as they're concerned. And... So they say, yes, that would be that would be very helpful. And you come down and give the look circle. Now, it's not just those three specific things that you do. It's the idea that you are so open to learning what other instructors do to make their classes better. And then you actually do something about it. You don't just say, well, that's so great that Joe does that. That's very clever. I'm going to go back to the way I do things back at my class and teach my way. And I'm not going to do that thing. I don't care if it's useful. That's her thing. No, like you make it yours and you tell them afterwards, like, hey, you know that thing about how, okay, you're all fluent in in Megan now. I stole that from you in your class. They like it. They like it when you do this because it means that your students are learning, which is why they're doing that for their students. So that's the thing that I think is great about you slash Megan, <laughs> which is that you offer to do the thing that they would never have thought of doing on their own. And not only that, you're always on the lookout for more ways that you can do that in ways that you haven't thought of yet. Moving on. <laughs> Number five. <clears throat> Help other people. Feel they belong. Think of it this way. No matter how welcoming and new employee-friendly your company, recently hired employees may feel they're constantly being weighed and measured and found wanting. Maybe it's the guy in shipping who always eats lunch alone. Maybe it's the lady in accounting who always stands at the edge of a group. It's easy to spot people who feel hesitant and out of place. Pick one. Say hi. Say something nice. Say or do something that makes the person feel a slightly bigger connection to your company, to a group, or just to you. 
Reach the point at which you feel confident helping others fit in. And that's when you truly fit in. Because then it's no longer about you. It's about the group and the people in that group. Which, when you think about it, is the perfect definition of fitting in. So, I mentioned it briefly um, in this particular episode about how you'll, on your way to getting water or something, you'll ask people if they need anything. And we've definitely talked about it in previous episodes. But you are exceptionally good at looking around the room and seeing someone sitting by themselves and you will act straight up turn to me and be like, I'm going to go say hi to that person across the room by themselves. And I go, okay, have fun, <laughs> you know, or I'll be like, oh, okay, cause I was going to go get water. So, you know, something like that. And you will literally go over there and you will spend as much time as needed with that individual. And a lot of times I'm able to see such a difference in their demeanor once you've sat down and started talking to them. They, It's almost like a relief and also a like, oh, someone to talk to. And wow, I didn't think that, you know, like he would come and sit down and talk to me. And it just they look so much happier. And I know a lot of times you also take the next step by also introducing them to me Uh but I know that you are really, really good at sitting down just by random strangers and introducing yourself and talking to them and just getting a little bit of information about them. Because there's also sometimes you'll come back and sit next to me like, so the lady in, in the striped shirt that I just spoke with, her name is Alice. She's uh, from Minnesota. And, you know, it just it, you let me know her story. And some of that has to do more with just so that you can like solidify who she is in your mind but also it's happened once or twice where uh you've then were able to then later introduce her to somebody else so that's been something that I've seen and noticed and I know it definitely helps people feel better when they feel like they're not isolated and Again, it's it's certain like I can only assume because we haven't actually spoken about it, but it's another way to find a valid purpose for you in the way that like you feel like you've helped someone. So like you made this um, situation where you you belong basically by also making someone else feel like they belong. So, I think about with this one and with what you mentioned about the line dance lobby at Vegas and how it feels when, say, Joe, for example, you know, your first year comes and sits down casually where you are and just chats with you. And it's like, do you know this is just me? Do you know that it's just normal old dancer me and not like someone important? Rebecca did that to me. She grabbed her salad and came and sat right next to me. And I was like, you realize you can be seen with me, right? (laughs) It is possible for whoever it is that's listening to this right now to have that effect on someone else. Like 
you don't always realize who is noticing you at these events or at some country bar because Joe thinks she's a normal person, mistakenly. She thinks <laughs> that she isn't, you know, superwoman and amazing. Uh, I mean, maybe she, maybe she knows she's amazing. She doesn't tell us, but that's just part of her amazingness is that she doesn't tell us. And you may perhaps, you know, see somebody at your local country bar who does all the fancy spins and the turns and they get along with everyone and they're so humble. And like, if you've ever had them sit down and notice you and talk to you, you probably know how that feels to be noticed. Little do you know, there might be somebody in your bar who thinks that same way about you. And they're watching you because you're graceful and you you take time in your movements. And maybe in your head you're thinking, well, I'm just thinking about all the steps. I'm trying to remember the darn dance. Like, I'm not trying to be graceful. But they don't know that. They see you and they think, man, I wish I could be like that. I wish I could dance like that. I can't even do Copperhead Road. And this person, they, they seem to have it all figured out. While you are idolizing someone else. So you might think it's the other person. It's the superstar's responsibility to make everyone feel better. And you're just some some average person. So what could you possibly do? But to somebody else, you know, you're above average and you're what they would like to be like. They might look at the superstar and think they're not even human. They're like Roy or something. So they're they're beyond my my feeble human abilities, but you, you might be relatable to them. You might actually be friends in some weird parallel world where you sit down and, and talk to that person. And you know what? You have it in your power to sit down and talk to that person. You can look around and find the quiet, shy, non-dancing person with like half a beer in their hand and say, hey, what's up? What's your favorite dance here? Do you have a favorite dance here? Uh, My name is such and such, by the way. I'm just so happy to be here tonight. What brought you here? Whatever you would like to do to break the ice, you can do that. You can do that at events and you might find out to your surprise after you've talked to them for a little bit that you are to them what Joe is to you or fancy pants, muscular, knows all the dances guy at the bar, whatever it might be in your world. And you can make, you know, the introductions for them to, you know, people in your friend group. And now they have friends. You can do so many things like, again, even, even just starting a small club or, uh, you know, ha- having informal teaches for dances that are done at your local bar. Nobody's stopping you from doing that. Like, it might seem like, no, the real instructors should be doing that. Only real instructors are allowed to teach line dance. And, and I heard you had to get some complicated certificate or win a competition or something. No, like, you, if, if you think it would be fun to gather some people up and create a small group within the larger group that is the bar, That that's something you can do. You would be amazed to see what just that little bit of encouraged connection can do for people's lives. And they might go into it thinking that, uh, thinking they're not real dancers. They're just going to go and watch the real dancers dance. But eventually they keep showing up. They become real dancers. Like I said, I came in a sweater vest and slacks and dress shoes. And after watching Copperhead and Cupid Shuffle enough times, you really can't help but learn them. <laughs> you just end up doing them in your head. You might say, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to dance. My girlfriend's here to dance. Her and her friends are here to dance. I'm just here to drive. 
but you you learn the dances. You show up enough times, it sinks into your ears and into your eyes. And you know, if somebody drags you out and like, oh, okay, well, I I kind of know the steps. They say it in the song, right? You can make that happen for someone else. So drag them by their sweater vest into the bar and onto the floor and see what it does for their life. You can help other people feel they belong. Yeah. Um, I definitely know that there is a lot that can just be changed by saying hi and trying to get someone's life story. And I say life story because it's not really their life story, but just like, you know, where they're from, how long they've been dancing, have they been out before, what they think so far, are they having fun? Um, it's one of the things that I try to check in with myself every Thursday. I try and make at least one round of the venue that we're teaching and just kind of check in with people, say hi, um, thank them for coming out and tell them I'm excited to see them here again and um, ask them if, you know, if they've been dancing before or anything like that, just to make them feel just that little bit more welcome and acknowledged. Because I think that's, that's another thing for those who have the ability, um, who've already been established in the group going around and acknowledging the first timers or the new people to the scene. It makes a difference. Um, especially when I think about like, I'm sure you've heard it a hundred times. We ask, what would Joe do? A lot. Um, I think Joe set such an amazing example for anyone. Uh, line dancer or just human being alone. And so I ask myself a lot, what would Joe do? And now it's there's certain things that have become just more natural for me to do because I've asked myself in the beginning... You know, what would she do? And the one thing I always remember is just how welcoming she was and how she made me feel like it was easy to talk to her. And with that, I was able to feel comfortable and find a place that I felt I belonged. And I want to give that opportunity to anybody else one of the many reasons why I also love doing this podcast is, you know, here's my experiences, here's my thoughts. Hopefully they help somebody somewhere. Uh, Same thing why I love being an instructor is the idea of like helping people find a place and understand the dances and be able to self-express themselves. Um, I have formed some friendships through line dance that puzzled me at first and from both ends meaning for instance I look at my friendship with Joe and I consider myself extremely blessed to be able to communicate with someone of her passion and character and honesty and I recognize traits in her that I want to amplify in myself. I then also have relationships where apparently I'm that person for somebody else. And it's very weird to me because 
I kind of understand what she was saying in that first conversation when she goes, no, we're just human. And I go, no, but you're Joe, you know. And I have someone who was talking to me recently and I was like, oh, honey, I'm human. I make mistakes too. And he goes, no, you don't understand. And I'm like, huh, this is interesting. So to know that I'm able to help someone find a place that they belong, find things that they want to better about themselves because they want to be the best person they can be um, is really, really encouraging. So to turn around and help someone feel like they belong, it makes me feel like I'm in the right place. I'm in the right spot. I'm doing the right things. I'm talking to the right people. I am taking the example of the people that I respect and I hold in high esteem and what they would do and trying to make it as honest and authentic in my own way to then, you know, pass on and pay it forward. And I love the idea that line dance community is so amazingly supportive and so amazingly compassionate and passionate and just one giant family that I want anybody and everyone to know just how welcoming this community is. And although we're talking about how to fit in, honestly, come as your authentic self and people will accept you. That is the most basic thing I can say about the line dance community is be honest with who you are. Don't pretend to be anybody that you're not. Um, now with that said, obviously there's the little bit of the fake it till you make it thing, but the idea is, you know, you don't have to be the smartest person in the room. You don't have to be the most talented in the room. You can be the person that has never stepped foot on a dance floor before and you will be accepted. You can be the person that's been dancing for 40 years and this is your first event and be accepted. That is what makes the line dance community so unique and so wonderful. And I highly, 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 highly recommend drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> Two things that pop to mind. Um, one positive look at it and then another mm, different look at it one um if you dress you know nicely and you and you present yourself well and you treat people politely then when unconfident or less confident people in line dance see somebody confident treating this this whole world with esteem and respect and kindness and empathy and compassion and all that they will think generally, oh, that must be how it is here. You can be the person that makes them think that. Now, the other way to look at it is, imagine you're not there to do that, and somebody else comes along and does the opposite of all those things, and that is who they see as the first person that gives them the introduction to this world. Don't let that be their 100% view of it. You can step in, and even if they see both of you, now that other person only represents 50%. So do what you can to tip the balance in the, the side of light and goodness. Any final thoughts? Uh, no, I think I pretty much covered it. Fantastic. Well, this has been your tips for the best way 
to fit in and truly become part of anything uh, per Jeff Hayden of Inc.com. And this has also been Line Dance Podcast with Megan Barcelia and Christopher Gonzalez. And until next time, we will see, see you on, on the, the dance, dance floor. floor.